we're about to see probably the greatest run on new homeowners entering the market than we've seen since like, I believe it's the 50s. Correct. You know, right now, the average age of a first time home buyer, according to NAR, the National Association of Realtors is 33. The next five to six years sees a significant increase in the number of births in our country. And so if that first time home buyer stays at around 33, hey, listen, real estate agents, lenders, it's a great time to be in the business. Welcome to another episode of the Contacts to Contracts podcast. I am Brian Lovell, as always here with our amazing co-host, Mr. John Jones. What's up, Brian? What's up, brother? How are you? How are you doing? Looks like you enjoyed some sun this I weekend. I got into a little sun this weekend, yes. All right. Yes. You think after living in Florida my entire life. Sunscreen now, right? I would have. I did not put on any sunscreen. Well, you're at that point in your life, you probably figure throw it out. Who cares? I was even warned and I declined. Wow. And, uh, you know, so those of you who, who are not in Florida or maybe in Florida and you need some advice, even if you're under an umbrella, it comes you and gets too you. can get sunburned. Yep. So, yeah. Good thing it doesn't hurt. Okay, that's good. So, John, uh, you kind of put together the topic for today. We're going to talk a little bit about are we currently in or could there possibly be a housing bubble in our real estate future? Yeah, um, I'm kind of excited to talk about it and maybe lay out, you know, two or three things why I personally don't think we're in a bubble. Um, You you know, um, it, it will start off with, you know, we've changed in our industry from the previous 2005, six, and seven, the type of loans that we're making to the consumer and how easy or not easy at this point it is to get a mortgage. Um, so I think credit and how they've tightened, um, you know, with doing away with subprime essentially and, and stated income, stated asset, no doc loans, I think that's going to be a huge factor in keeping us out of that bubble. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a different world than it was back in 2008 and through 2010. And uh, just one second before we go too deep into this, why, why do you think people are concerned that there might be a bubble? Well, I mean, you know, if, if you're in real estate right now, you know there's no inventory, right? An incredible uh, low amount of inventory. Consumers are multiple offers on homes. Um, it, it virtually doesn't matter what part of the state you're in as you know, that a home comes on the market yeah. and you probably have 15 or 20 people bidding on that home. Right now, I don't know I don't know that it matters where in the country you are. Right. Um, you know, we're seeing all over through our contacts throughout the industry nationwide and, you know, through different media outlets that it's definitely a seller's market. I mean, you're seeing homes that are selling for well over ask. Um, it's a market that, in my opinion, hence, is- hence, hence speculation of a bubble, right? When yeah. people get over exuberant, they they want to stretch the dollar, so to speak, and they're willing to pay forty, fifty, sixty thousand higher than yeah. maybe even appraised value. Yes. To a lot of us, that gives us a little angst, right? Yeah. In, in the business, we're thinking, you know, is this is this like, you know, gold rush speculation? What's mm-hmm. happening to our market, and you know, we're going to lose the stability that yeah. we've had over the last decade. So the speculation out there, then, to just give some clarity to it, is that with everything that we're seeing right now in the market, could we see home prices deteriorate down the road? And by te- deteriorate, I mean instead of having appreciation, what's the opposite of appreciation? Depreciation. Depreciation. Depression. That's a good thing you're you're a. It's a good thing you're the co-host. 
Yeah, I mean, great point. We don't know where pricing is going to go from here and you know, let's say 12, 24 months out. But a big factor is affordability today. Compared okay. to 10, 12 years ago, interest rates back in the last boom and then bust, uh, rates were at 6 plus percent. Mm -hmm. Today we're yes. still locked in. Your, your, uh, your affordability is, is far greater today. Yeah for a homeowner than it was 12, 15 years ago because John, of those low rates. Yeah, to that point, I saw a statistic earlier this week, and I apologize, I'm not, I don't remember where I saw it, so I can't give due credit, but th they said that it was, this is the seventh best affordability market that we've ever been in, in a, as a country. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. It's the seventh best, that's based on incomes of where we're at in 2021, and prices of where we're at in 2021. The reason, because prices are going up faster than incomes, right? Correct. But the reason it's the seventh best is because of low, low interest, interest rates. rates. Right. You know, and it makes me think too, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to touch on this in a minute, but, you know, we're seeing record appreciation. Can you imagine what it would be like if we didn't have appraiser independence? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> right? It could be, uh, yeah, yeah, we could be in so, trouble. So go back to like pre-2007 when, you, you know, made the phone call. as a loan officer, you just made the phone call. Right. Hey, listen, Mr. and Mrs. Appraiser, I'm going to need this property to appraise for point. X right. to make this deal work. And hey, by the way, if you can't make that happen for me, I'm probably going to go to the next person. Yeah. And right? it's, yeah. And, and we, we're starting, you know, we're having some, some appraisals come back less than asking mm -hmm. um, or offer price um, and it, it, it you bring up a great point because that phone call to the appraiser that we were able to make that we can't make today because of the changes um, you know we we're, we're we're not able to cross out of one neighborhood or subdivision to go to another correct yeah. you know to maybe find a comp or stretch a comp or a yeah. sale price uh, we saw a ton of that back yeah. in 06 and 07 yeah so today we have appraiser independence meaning that you know, the loan originator nor the real estate agent can pick who the appraiser is. It's, it's you know, by luck of the draw, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is, to your point, there have been some guidelines put in place for things like bracketing of appraisals and, um, um, you know, how far out they can go from the subject property to find a comparable. Right. But, I mean, you think about it, if, if we didn't have appraiser independence, this would be wild. This would be, you know, a, a lot further north up yeah, than where this, we're at This would right be now. wild. I, I think my bigger concern, and, and again, I know we're going to answer this question here in a minute, but my, one of my big concerns for consumers right now, specifically buyers, is I think with the market that we're in, we're taking away a segment of the buyer community right now, and that's going to be mainly FHA buyers are probably having a difficult time getting their contracts accepted because Correct. they likely don't have the available assets for that over ask bid right and um, and also a lot of times you know fha allows for up to six percent seller, seller concession. concessions and you know seller going to take a concession right now not in a chance market. not not a chance no. right and so a lot of the reasons sometimes that fha buyers go into choose fha as their financing is because of those limited funds to, to close uh, yeah, and the, and the concession allowance. Right. Right. So, so yeah, that down payment assistance programs, you know, things of those sort. Um, I was talking to a loan officer this weekend and we were having a conversation about, 
you know, what are some of the things that you're having to do as an LO in this market to help your buyers win bids, you know, working together with your real estate partner, mm -hmm. you know, the buyer's agent. And, um, <clears throat> you know, you're, you're getting multiple offers coming on properties. It could be 10, 12, maybe even more. And you're trying to weed them out. And, and what he was sharing is like, hey, I think one of the things that listing agents really have to look at too is who is the loan originator or the, or the lender, lender that is on that letterhead. And so he gave an example to me of, um, you know, a, a agent, a agent calls and says, hey, our offer is up against one other. Like they've narrowed it down to these two. Can you think of anything to help me try to get our buyer's offer accepted? And he says, well, hey, do you know who, who the other lender or who the other loan officer is? And they were like, yeah, it's um, blah, 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 blah. I don't remember what it was. So he says, give me 10 minutes. Hold on, I'm going to give you a call back. He goes on to NMLS, Consumer Access. Mm -hmm. He looks up the loan originator. Finds out how long they've been like eight in months, the business. Like okay. eight months in the business. Yep. Okay. Um, and I don't remember what their previous employment was, but it wasn't anything to do with financial industries. So he prints it down, scans it over, sends it to the agent and says, use this. That's dirty. I like it. Yeah, that's smart. That's what you got to do. Yeah. And by the way, this is a loan officer loan officer with 19 years experience, has closed thousands of loans. You know, I, I'd, yeah, put my winning, money, I'd put my money on that guy. Win, yeah, absolutely. Winning the battle. I mean, sellers sellers control the market. Mm -hmm. we, we've seen and we know sellers and, and, and the listing agents are telling buyers and buyer's agents, if this doesn't close, we are not going to extend and we are going to the next offer, mm -hmm. which may be a backup offer that's higher and better. Yeah. Likely, you know, yeah. so they're not going to have any sympathy with a lender or uh, not a local lender that says, hey, I need a week or two more to get this mm -hmm. deal done. They're, gonna, they're, they're, they're likely to kill the deal and, uh, and, and, and move on. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of getting back to the question, the, the question was, will there or are we going to experience a housing bubble? And our, our feeling is no, and we're going to give you a couple of facts <clears throat> to try to back that up. So, you know, the, the first one we were talking about is the credit, credit worthiness of our borrowers. Mm -hmm. um, can you dig into that a little bit? Uh, well, I mean, if you win the industry back 15 years ago, I think, you know, I think it was probably about 50%. We were doing loans that were combination loans, 80-20s, uh, meaning... People were buying homes with no money down, Not, never mind FHA. In fact, FHA was something that I prided myself in as an originator. And the buyer back then had to put 3% down. Seller would pay 6%. That went away. Yeah. Buyers were coming in saying, I want to put no money down. And that, that became a, a normalcy, whether you had money or not. It just became the thing to do as a combination 80-20 first mortgage, yeah. second mortgage. Uh, the second mortgage might have been fixed at a rate for two years, three years and then became adjustable. And rates again were at six, seven mm percent -hmm. back then. Yeah. The seconds were up at eight, nine, twelve percent. Uh, you know, so there wasn't they really weren't qualified to make that payment. Um, combining all that, we had stated stated doing that, or mm -hmm. no doc type of loans where we weren't necessarily verifying the ability to repay. Yeah. You know, and I mean that's 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 no longer the case and um Thankfully, as as a homeowner and an investor, I mean that's great for the rest of us and and you know going forward that we know that these people that are getting mortgages today they qualify. Yeah, you yeah. know they have true income that that they can repay the loan. Yeah. So basically, today as as lenders overall, um, there's credit credibility, 
right? So they've got higher credit scores. They have skin in the game. We're vetting them a whole lot more than than we used to. So what happened back really then, vetting them? Yeah. I mean, it's as we say in the industry, um, you know, it's you know, I, I like to tell people if you haven't had a mortgage or gotten a mortgage in 15 years, well, it's going to be a lot different. A lot I mean, different. we're going to dive in deep um, again for the benefit of all of us as a whole mm -hmm. um, in our industry and in housing values. Yeah. Yeah. So back in the day, you know, to kind of hammer down this point, John, we would put folks into loans that their payments could increase or could change and get them into a place where it, the home was not as affordable as it once was. So now not only can I not make my payment necessarily, but if you remember in 2007 through 2010, we had some depreciation of properties, right? And part of that is because then we truly got into a buyer's market, just none of the buyers qualified. You know, they had had right. short sales, foreclosures, bankruptcies, whatever it may be, right? And so this time around, what could happen if we see that is they'll still be able to afford the payment. Correct. Right. Yeah. So so you, just to fast forward or fast back, 07, 05, 06, and 07, different how it is today. Today we're in a frenzy, right? Mm -hmm. People know real estate's increasing in value. They've seen it, and we're getting year over year 18 20% spikes in prices in different markets across the country. Everybody wants in the game. Right, we mm -hmm. see groups of investors in the game. People are going crazy, bid over ask. We just mm -hmm. talked about. Um, however, you can't get that same no doc loan that you got back in 05, 06, and seven. Yep. If we had that still today, we'd be in a whole lot of trouble. Yes. Because those folks would be out in a frenzy trying to grab up these properties, because the premise back then and the premise still today for a lot of people is, if it's going to go up twenty percent, that's a pretty darn good investment. Yeah. If I buy something, even if I really can't afford it, if I hold it for two years and it goes up 30 or 40%, that's pretty darn good. If I did no money down on top of that, I've really done great on my money. Yeah. I took a zero and became a hero. <laughs> I mean, making 60, 80, 100 grand. And that's, that's exactly what happened, you know, a so, dozen years ago. Uh, and I think one of the things that got folks in trouble um, on that too, and, and I know you're prepared to talk about this is, um, we were using our homes as ATM machines. Yes. Right. So we were doing tons of cash out refinances. Today, your max loan to value on a cash out refinance is, I believe, either 75 or 80%. Is it 75? 75 to 80%. 75 to 80% max loan to value on a cash out refinance. 15 years ago? Take it all. Take it all. Take it all. Well, right? I mean, and honestly, we had, we had lenders that. 125% uh, of the value of your home. So you had, an, let's say, a 90% first mortgage. They'd loan you a second mortgage 25% above current appraised value. Well, it was, value. dude, it's, it yeah. was nuts. I mean, so, it made no sense. Yeah, so what was happening then was we were also at max loan to value, right? Whereas Very today, if, if somebody got into trouble on their home, they'd be able to sell it. They would still have equity in the home to be able to get out from under it. Yep. But when you're upside down, upside down, and you're completely maxed out, you're not left with a whole lot of options. Yep. Right. It's, I know we we had a statistic we were going to share. So, what back like let's use 2006 as an example. Um, folks took out 312 billion dollars in equity. That's just the equity portion. Right. And no ca and cash out. Right. 
refinances. Yeah, boats, jet skis. Yeah, fast forward to 2019, only 74 billion. Mm-hmm. Um, and the difference is the tightening of the guidelines there on mm-hmm. the cash out refinance. Yeah, I mean, I think that number, the 312 billion you talked about, um, a lot of that speculation was cash out to go and buy another property, two or three. Sure. I mean, I had handfuls of investors, guys, wannabe investors that were buying two, three units in a building, you know, new constructions, you know, kind of speculating mm-hmm. that by the time that building uh, or that condo was finished in 18, 24 months, they'd resell it at a profit and, you know, essentially never yeah. have to make a payment. Yeah. Did like, not, didn't work out. You know, I mean, it was musical chairs and when the chair, and when, 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 the, when the music, music stopped, stopped. <laughs> that was it. I think that was about July of 2007. We all know where we were yeah. if you were originating. Yeah, it I was, was a rookie. Like, yeah. And then what, what the, they put into place, what we call, what, the implodometer? Yes. <laughs> what lenders were, were yes, going. Yes, the implodometer. Yeah. I don't, that, that's sort of the summer of 2007. Yeah. I'd been in the business for three months. I didn't know what an implosion was. Timed it. Like, where are all these lenders going? These investors are just, they're dropping off. So that was, that was yeah. crazy. I, I really think that part of, for me at that time, like not knowing what, I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. You know, what did I get into this for? And so I just put my head down and kept going. But, you know, I, you know, some of these folks who, you know, I mean, we know tons of people who toughed it out through that time. Yeah. You know, one of them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, t- know just toughed it out through that time and um, just crazy. Beg and borrow. Yeah. Just, yeah. Beg and borrow. Figure out a way to win, right? So, so second, you know, why we don't think there's a bubble, or at least I don't think there's a bubble, and a lot of people are, are talking about this, is housing stats and the supply of housing. So, you know, again, going back, previous bubble, builders, new construction, speculation, just throwing in subdivision after subdivision, you know, build it, they will come type of philosophy the builders had. Um, you know, to me, there, there weren't end users in this game. There were a lot of people like you and I and other folks that were yeah. buying four and five of these units at a time, mm-hmm. waiting for them to be done, and then hopefully flipping and selling sure. it. Sure. You know, where today the builders have drastically pulled back and, uh, and, and they're not building essentially enough homes, new homes, yeah. for, to meet the inventory. So I think a couple demand. things going on there. Well, one, the, the margin on new construction is the same whether a builder builds a $200,000 home or a half a million dollar home, mm-hmm. right? If the margin is the same, if I invest $200,000 and I can make three hundred, dollars or if I can invest $400,000 and make two hundred, dollars hopefully I got the math right there, um, if you have the, the capital to do it, you invest more to make more, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I think there's a segment of buyer that's been left out of the market, or that's currently being left out of the market. And that's a new, the new home buyer. There's not as many homes available for them to buy, um, as is needed, right? And that, and that's why you're seeing a lot of of what you're seeing. Um, and you know, I think you know, for back then too, um, you know, John, you would see just a ton of track homes being built, massive developments, mm-hmm. building hundreds, if not thousands, of homes at a time. And I think builders have gotten a little bit more savvy, like they're There's, not sitting on tons of inventory. They, like they're not they, moving forward until the contract's correct. signed. Correct. You know, they, yeah. they got a couple of spec homes maybe up out of the ground, but mm-hmm. you know, there's not just tons of homes waiting for somebody to move into. Um, and then I think, you know, let's also talk about COVID, you know, a year ago. Breaks were put on. They shut did, down they for able. six to eight weeks, right. you know, no homes being built. And so Today, there's housing's a like demand. toilet paper a year ago. 
Yes. Uh, there's just there's just there's no supply. Um, yes. You know, if you're looking to buy any product now, whether it's a uh, an appliance, for example, right? When there's a shutdown, right? That consumer supply chain shutdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes you know it takes months, if not years, to get caught back up to where yeah. you know that that lag was. Yeah. yeah. Um, a- another thing I think to to bring up is just the material cost. We talk a little bit about inflation, right? Um, we we don't want to hear about that but everywhere you go today i mean almost any item whether it's gas whether it's groceries a piece of plywood um found out at 26 dollars for a sheet of plywood Mm. i mean it's nuts um you know in in builders the cost to build and construct the new home uh in fact we have a, a local loan officer that's under construction and he's the one that he signed the contract just four months ago they've had now their third price price increase you know, in a four month period. And the, and the builders have to be super sharp now because week after week, those those material costs are going, are going up. up. They know their fixed labor costs, they can manage that part. Yeah, but, but materials it, a it, it's, harder. It, it could get to the point where they, they have to slow on constructing homes because the end product might not be you know, sellable at that, that price yeah. to co- cover the build. To cover the build, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, the inventory, not just new construction, but total inventory is at record lows right now. When we entered the housing bubble of again, you know, back in the early, in the late O's, 07, 08, 09, there was, we already had good inventory. We're at what? Right. Eight, 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 and half, eight, eight and a half months worth of inventory. Right. Where so today we're about three months. At the months. time that the bubble started, we were at eight and a half months. Mm-hmm. Today we're at three months of inventory. So, you know, Eight months inventory turned into twelve months inventory pretty quickly. Right. Right now, we would love to see it move from three to six. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that would be a big help for everybody in yeah. our industry. Yeah. I mean, there is definitely some buyers and agents out there who are man. They are earning. They're earning every shekel. It like like you said, if you're a down payment assistance or uh, unfortunately FHA, maybe even VA USDA, it's 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 a challenge right yeah, now. You're probably out of the market. I, I will say, um, you know, v, I always try to defend VA, yeah. but um, you know, because a lot of people have some misconceptions. It's an amazing loan product, by the way, agents. It's not any harder to get a VA loan approved than any other loan. That was like a gazillion years ago. Right. So move on. dot com from that. Um, but the VA buyers typically have money, mm-hmm. right? It's just that that loan doesn't require them to put any down. So why they, would you? Yeah. So right. they very well, you know, might be able no to no money down, no more, no monthly mortgage insurance. Yeah, you can't but be but it. they might have the cash to go over ask or whatever. So yeah. don't put your nose up at that um, that pre approval letter that comes in with VA financing on it. Yeah, I like a strategy you mentioned earlier, and we talk about that for a minute, but. Um, you talked about if you if you are a buyer out there looking to make an offer and you you mentioned cash okay yeah. for example but rather than trying to stretch and put 20 30 percent down mm-hmm. right you have some strategy on how to win a deal maybe if there is a potential issue with an appraisal and an escalation clause yeah so you, you know I think that I don't know we in, in the finances that we're seeing currently in the market that we're in, and with interest rates as low as they are, we've kind of been preaching, hey, take out a loan for as much as you can, that cash is king. And so what I mean by that is, you know, if you're a buyer that's got 20% to put down, I actually recommend you don't do that, mm-hmm. right? And, and it was before this market, but I'll explain why on both of them. 
you know, when, when interest rates are 3%, three and a quarter percent, I mean, that money is almost free to borrow, Correct. right? And, you know, for you to spend all of the cash that you have to go into a home, I think is a, is a mistake um, because you never know when you're going to need that cash down the road. So I would get the largest loan. I can tell you when you're going to need it. If you're a new homeowner, the first three to six months. Yes. I get, you can bet AC that there's, a lot, yeah. there's so a lot of a lot of projects yeah. that come up when you buy a home. Yeah. Furniture and all that stuff. <laughs> right. So, you know, I've always been a proponent of, hey, get a loan for as much as the bank will allow you to and keep the rest of the cash. You know, it's like, you know, um, anybody who's bought a car recently, and I don't mean maybe not recently, but, you know, a year ago, you, you know, all these dealerships were offering 0% zero percent financing on a lot of these cars. Like, I, even if you had the $60,000 to go, why, why would you <laughs> why do would that? You, why, exactly. They're giving you money for free. For free. Right. Right. And, you know, so here, here's my thing with it right now in the market that we're in is instead of putting 20% down on a property or 30% down or 40% down, whatever it is, you know, we're seeing a lot of buyers in the market right now who are move up buyers, meaning that they're selling a home, maybe they're net eighty hundred thousand dollars or whatever that they've got to invest in the next home and to, to buy down the mortgage. My recommendation is go with the lowest mortgage possible. Right now you can get a conventional loan with 95% LTV. Um, you know, by the way, mortgage insurance is pretty cheap too. So mm -hmm. even if you chose not to do monthly, if you did um, upfront MI, like if your credit is horrible, you might pay two points to buy out the MI upfront. So now you're putting 7% down no monthly mortgage payment, no monthly uh, mortgage insurance payment. Use that extra money to go do the bid over ask that yeah. you need um, to help you get into that home. Yeah, great yeah, point. You know? All right, so we've given you a couple things to think about why why we don't necessarily think that we're in a bubble, you know, the next 12 to 24 months. But one thing that you like to mention, um, you know, in the next five or six years, we believe there's going to be a, a continued shortage in housing mm -hmm. due to a specific segment of the market that's now out there, the largest yeah. being the millennials, home buyers that just the oldest just turned 40. And we're probably going to see um, a, a six or seven year run yes. on those that generation that's looking to buy their first home and yes. start their family. Yeah, so I, I will give credit where credit's due on this one. A great mentor of the mortgage industry, Barry Habib, um, has been sharing with us as originators for the last couple of years that we're about to see probably the greatest run on new homeowners entering the market than we've seen since, like, I believe it's the 50s. Correct. Am I right on yeah, the 50s? Going back a while. Um, going back a while, where the next five or the, six the ba years. The baby boomers. It's the baby I mean, boomers. So this is, this is going to surpass the baby boomers. Yeah, boom the ba run. baby boomers. So, um, you know, right now, the average age of a first time home buyer, according to NAR, the National Association of Realtors, is 33. Um, that 33 year old buyer today, I believe, then was um, born in 1988. Um, and if you look it's at the mortgage business, uh, if you look at the the birth chart, um, the next five to six years sees a significant increase in the number of births in our country. And so if that first time home buyer stays at around 33, hey, listen, real estate agents, lenders, it's a great time to be in the business. It, you know, you're, you're going to have plenty of buyers coming into the market, you know, for, for the next couple of years. Um, and then, it, you know, if you continue to look at that and you're going, well, Brian, when's that going to end? Well, if you continue to look at the chart from that, 
it stays pretty steady. We're mm-hmm. going to see increases, right? I think all of us would be happy with a stable market. Yes. Right. By the way, that's what will come after the increase is still a stable market. So it's a great time to be a real estate agent. It's a great time to be um, in the mortgage business as well, because we're going to see some of our best years ahead Good of runs, us. Interest yeah. rates forecast in the next, you know, 12 months anyway to remain in the in the three range. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I did a presentation on Friday to a group of real estate agents with um, Brian P. Forster, who we did an interview here on the Context of Contrast podcast as one of uh, the top producing loan originators in the country. And um, anyways, him and I tag teamed a, a group of real estate agents, and he shared an interesting statistic. And uh, I'm not going to get it completely right because it was his part of the presentation. But he, he had four entities. Um, I think the Mortgage Bankers Association was one. Um, the National Association of Realtors was another one. And there were two other ones that were giving forecasts on interest rates for the balance of 2021 and going into 2022. Nobody expects them to get over four. Correct. You know? Yeah. Boom. Crazy. Boom. Yeah. Crazy. No, no more 6%. So yeah. So home affordability is here to stay for quite some period of time. Yeah. Yep. So anything else we, we missed or you want to you want to cover here before we wrap up. I mean, I think we gave three or four great points of why, why we don't anticipate any housing bubble. Yeah. I, and I think, you know, I, I don't have any, I know it's hard to believe because I know for, for a lot of us that, you know, you might be out there in the market, um, maybe a trade up home, but you know, if you're a seller right now, great time to be a seller and then a rebuyer. Yeah. Um, I really don't think anybody's going to end up in a negative, negative equity position. Like we saw, you know, Again, in the in the late O's. Well, we have more equity in housing than we have than going we've ever back had to, to 1990. Yeah, I mean, the, so that's it's just it's yeah. phenomenal. And part of that is because of those lending guidelines we talked a little about a little bit earlier, right? And, um, you know, some things like that. But it's, I mean, it's a it's a great time. Yep. You know, and so I think you know, hey, listen, inventory might we might may see a little ease and here that's in what six I was to twelve say. months. I mean, I, as as we kind of wind down the forbearance yeah, stuff, and, there's a lot to be said for that, and that's that's where I was about to go. Yeah. Is you know, we just don't know, right. and the reason we just don't know is, you know, originally the CARES Act provided twelve months of forbearance relief, then it got extended to four months, an additional uh, four yeah. months. We don't know. Are they going to extend it more than that? We don't know yet. And hey, by the way, the other thing we haven't really considered is maybe they give some relief, right? Yeah. I mean, the, I mean the, 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 the government could yeah. come out and give some relief to all of those folks yep. who were in forbearance too. So mm-hmm. we just don't know what the future holds in terms of that as we continue to you know, work through this pandemic. Yep. But um, you know, the, the good news is, is that could provide um, opportunities to get some homes on the market. If I'm a real estate agent and I'm trying to create inventory, I think I would go the route of, Hey, in forbearance, call me, call me, Yep. call me with questions, call me with questions. Right. Because um, I mean, know know your options. If you're a homeowner and you're currently in forbearance, reach out to your lender, um, reach out to one of us, We'd be happy to help you give you guidelines. Um, There are some, as you said, um, there's modification options for those families and folks that that have hardship, um, you know, to the point where they can renegotiate the term, maybe put it over 40 years and drop some of that monthly PITI payment to make it affordable for them and their family. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we don't, the last thing in our industry, real estate mortgages, we don't want to see anybody homeless. No, we do not. Um, We're here to help. Um, 
get it modified and, and hopefully, and, you know, you, you can stay in the home. And the truth is too, lenders do not want to own homes. No, they do not. They're not in the, we want to own homes business. We don't buy homes. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, they, they are we not. We do not want to so, own homes. Yep. yep. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, listen, John, nice job, bro. You too, man. Thanks for, thanks for putting that together. So thanks for tuning in again to another episode of the Contacts to Contracts podcast. You know, if you like what you see, feel free to share with your friends. Make sure you subscribe so you know uh, every time a new episode drops. And if there's anything John or I can do to help you out, please know. Always thanks, right. sir.